Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This podcast episode is brought to you by the Old Ways Actual Play Team. This actual play uses the 7th edition Call of Cthulhu tabletop role-playing game rules by Chaosium. This actual play is performed by adults and in an adult setting. While we try very hard to stick to language for all ages, listeners should know that this podcast may include mature themes. All content, including names, places, events, companies, and etc., that may bear resemblance to entities living or dead, is strictly coincidental. My name is Michael Diamond, and for tonight's game, I will be your keeper. Thank you for joining us again on another episode of the Old Ways Podcast. I'm your keeper, Keeper Michael, and we return to Horror on the Orient Express to visit a dollhouse. Uh, and so, uh, we're going to just get right to it tonight. Uh, so, introductions begin to my right. Hello, this is Mike, and I'm playing James Robert Fraser, who is having a lovely, pleasant, nothing-to-see-here trip on a gondola. Certainly, sir. No, nothing, nothing amiss at all. Uh, to Mr. Fraser's right. Hi, I'm Rena. I play Lady Elizabeth Fitzroy, and I'm I'm done with Venice now. Truly, truly, but Venice, Milady is not done with you. Uh, at the end of the table. Hi, this is Charles, and I'm playing Simon Griffith, and I'm thinking it's time to stop the boat. Mm, yes, if only that were possible. Uh, to Mr. Griffiths, right? Hi, I'm Miranda, and I play Maggie Bellinger, and I'm just trying to get a leg up on the competition here. That's fair. We endeavor to make sure that that happens. And last, but most certainly not least. I'm Martin, and I'm playing Richard Courtney. And uh, Richard doesn't get why the tables have turned here. He's, you know, trying to do the sensible thing and disappear off, and, and now everyone else is leading him to danger for once. Perhaps it's finally the time for them to deal with you, Professor. More on that later. We'll open our scene tonight as a rather lonely gondola approaches a mooring point in the northern district of Venice. Travel up has been ominous. The Grand Canal is black, as I said before, as a glistening breast of a raven. The waters here are dark. There is a faint smell of some sort of petrochemical around, but it's unclear as to where exactly it's coming from. In the 15 to 20 minutes it takes you to traverse from the safety of your hotel to your location, you see more than one group of people who are very eager to start passing blame from person to person. You see people getting singled out by these mobs. Some of them even beginning with the passing of time to carry brooms and sticks and other pointed objects. Venice, it seems, is beginning to split a little at the seams. Perhaps, though, this doll maker can help you all sew it up nice and tight again. Stopping at the mooring, the gondolier assists the ladies with getting out, making sure that they are uh, settled properly. He doesn't offer the same assistance to the men assuming that they can do the job on their own. Not too tricky getting out of a gondola, you understand. Unless, of course, you make a complete mess of it, which is always possible. So the Gramancy factory is in, as was mentioned, a slightly northern portion of Venice. 
the factory is built uh, of stone. You can see that from the outside here. The gondolier had mentioned that it was built roughly around the 14th century. Mr. Fraser, you see that it is fairly well maintained. It doesn't seem to be uh, fallen into disrepair like some of the older buildings here. Looks like the factory is well put together. Simon, for your part, you notice that there are a fair number of groups of younger people here. Not children, not adults, perhaps university students and the like. And there is a smattering here of differences of opinion, which are viewable by some of the colors they wear, with a lot of the seeming uh, to be aged university or college students clashing with older gentlemen who are wearing black. There's definitely a social fog here. Something, perhaps a difference of ideas, keeps the two groups apart. Not too far from the factory, in fact, just down the way there, you see a what appears to be a fairly popular cafe. Even with everything else going on, this cafe seems to be quite lively. There's music. There's a fairly well-maintained facade. You can tell that there are, are disparate groups outside this hotel, too, that are eyeing each other up as you all exit the gondola. What's the first move? What is the quickest route to the factory? Are we literally right next to it? Not literally, no. You are close to it, but not literally. Do we have groups between us and the doors? Several. Mr. Fraser, I think we need to clear a path for the ladies. Oh, I'm sure this uh, gentleman will be courteous enough to step aside when they see that there are ladies proceeding down the street. We can only hope, sir. Let us lead the way. Uh, Simon will have his handkerchief up. Mm -hmm. He is gesturing with one arm to, as if people to make way so the two ladies can come through. Okay. You gesture a, a little bit and you see probably about 40 to 50% of the people make their way. There's an awful lot of black shirts that stand like statues. They don't move an inch. Uh, there's a couple here who have um, we'll say playfully hidden truncheons and you get a feeling from them at least the particular here who are kind of holding themselves back they're simply waiting for the right moment to perhaps uh, re-educate the college students that they see um, Richard will come up the rear and uh, appear to be uh, trying to offer some sort of form of defense so that uh, nobody gets the ladies you uh you butch up as best you can, Professor, but uh, it does seem that uh, some of the college students here are... Uh, your clothing screams collegiate professor, and so uh, the black shirts eye you fairly closely. A flyer sweeps through the courtyard here, this larger centerpiece between the cafe and the Gramancy factory and you can see that there's a fairly wide image on it and lettering on top it's a uh, anti-fascist propaganda poster a couple others that s sweep through the area why don't everybody make me a spot hidden roll as you move towards the factory 14 under 63 98 oopsie it's a 36 under 41 for Maggie. 
39 under 80 for Mr. Fraser, so that's a hard success. Very well. Uh, Professor, what's your... Uh... I rolled a one. Okay. I'll take that into account. Professor, what, what is your spot hidden? Uh, 64. So not a fumble, but definitely oh. a failure. Just rubbish. <clears throat> so why don't we start with the regular successes and we'll make our way through the, the hard and then eventually the extreme. Um, so for folks who have regular successes, a couple of things that get pointed out to you here visually. Other than the factory and a portion of the cafe, most of the buildings around here seem to be littered with soot. Industrial soot. Coal and the like. It's, it very much reminds you of um, portions of London in that regard. You must be in a much more industrious portion of Venice. You can see smokestacks in the distance. And there is the churn of mechanical processes going on. At least you pick them up. Those of you who have hard successes, the factory front seems welcoming enough. But some of the people here who are propped up against the factory seem to be far older than someone who might play with dolls. Mr. Fraser, you pick out a couple of people who are on prosthetics and you start seeing more and more men of age to have fought during the war and many more of them seems to be waiting here. There's probably 10 to 12 and you would say that eight of them are in need of a prosthetic. Yes, we sort of expected that as well, given the, the information we've already received about the, uh, the factory. So it doesn't come as any great surprise to Fraser. And Giles, for your, for your extreme, for Simon's extreme success, you hear a group of black shirts conversating about something. They mention something about a pretty lady. And they do so in English. And you get the distinct feeling that they're looking at the group as it walks its way through this rather um, less than well-kept courtyard. Fraser, I think they're talking about the lady. Hmm? We may have an issue soon with some of the black shots. Just keep walking, Mr. Griffith. Don't look anyone directly in the eye. We don't want to provoke them. We're just passing through, fighting, minding our own business. I have a question, Mike. Mm -hmm. So you were talking about we have veterans here who are in need of prosthetics. Yep. But they are probably not wearing black shirts, correct? They don't appear to be, no. Do most of the black shirts that we are seeing are younger, or do any of them appear to be of veteran age? No, most of them are younger. There are a couple men probably here who are in their 30s. Most of them are in the, um, we'll say, likely too young for war at the time of the Great War. Okay. You see a young boy come up to you, Mr. Fraser. Excuse me, spare a cigarette. What sort of an age is this lad? He's probably 14. Oh, you're a wee bit young to be smoking, Sonny. A any of you? Any, any smokers here? Cut along now. Cut along now. He seems a little disheartened. He walks back towards the cafe. I mean, was it common for children to smoke in these ages? Oh, yeah. I mean... Common, come probably he's Fraser's probably right in that. Given his sensibilities, he's the kid's probably a little too young. Mm -hmm. Fraser started smoking that age, so but, uh, but you know he's 
kid kid wants to bum sig just doesn't want doesn't want to really engage because he'll be you know he'll be looking for money and then then more of them will come Mm -hmm. and you get towards the front of the factory and you again approach this group of men because they stand in front of the doors they're kind of milling around as a group some of them are propped up against the building itself some of them are sitting on benches and chairs nearby this is a combination of um, students and veterans and black shirts um, this is all veterans there are no students here visually you can see that the students don't really get very close to the veterans at all one of the veterans who uh, seems to lack a hand on his, his right side he raises a forearm to you day nod the group of the veterans seem to eye you all over as you get to the front door any of y'all speak English I speak some English you hear from down the way where'd you fight sir oh uh Montegrappa western front France hmm you're welcome here uh, we were just going to enter the factory. We had uh, we have some business there. Is it all right if we pass through? Of course. Thank you very much, sir. Tell Antonio we say hello. You are heading. The inside of the factory, because the door is just plainly unlocked, the inside, the entranceway, everything here takes on a different tone. The woods are darker. The, the walls are covered in a few trophies, we'll say. It kind of gives you a slight flashback to Lausanne's taxidermy shop, uh, although it is not as prolific. You also see pictures here in the entranceway of kind of the history of prosthetics. And there's almost on display here a, a love of assisting those who are struggling. And you can tell it by the pieces that have been picked out here. There are also veterans in here. Sit on benches, smoke cigarettes, pipes, etc. And so you walk into almost this carnival of people as well. I must say, there are a lot of uh, people here looking for uh, assistance. They seem to be doing a roaring trade. The uh, bell chimes as you walk in. You see display cases lining the walls as well on one side. Different historical pieces made by the Gramancy factory. Dolls, mannequins, and then eventually prosthetics that uh, launched during uh, Napoleon's Italian campaign. He was keeping his eyes peeled for anything possibly in a display case or anywhere that might look potentially what they're uh, looking for. Leg-like. Leg-like, Leg-like. Fair enough. Um, There's a small potbelly stove in one corner and you see a uh, couple of veterans here who are trying to stoke it back to life to warm their teapot up. You see a, a couple of horsehair sopas, a little slippery from the oil to keep the hair fresh. But you as a group of five have probably added, you doubled the population of the room of this small, we'll say, eight by 12 room. Is this like a kind of reception room with a reception desk and um, somebody behind it, that kind of thing? It is a reception room, but there's no reception desk here. You just see a hallway to your left, and then to your direct right, there seems to be what looks like more of a formal waiting room with a rug, a couple of chairs, that sort of thing. And you might even spy uh, from your angle, depending on how 
fast your eyes move, you might spy a, another door beyond there as well, that waiting room area. Does there appear to be anyone around that works here? Not that you see visually, but you definitely hear people working. Um, there's not like a, a hatch or a window or a desk or anything to go to to introduce ourselves or anything like that? Not in this space. Was the letter that we got signed by anybody, even just a first name or initials? No. No, but the seal had the Gramancy family on it. Well, the Gramancy family seal was on the letter, so that's why you're here. I wasn't sure if there was anyone we could ask for, but uh, not by name. You need Antonio? You hear a voice from deeper in. Comes to your comes to you guys from the right. Well, you see a, a younger gentleman step out. Mr. Fraser, I'm assuming we are. Well, I would imagine so. Uh, I'm I'm as much in the dark as to exactly what our intentions are here as you are. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I guess we are we are here to see Mr. Antonio. Um, we were hoping to learn more about the uh, history of your factory. Oh. Huh. Well, he will be the man you want to see. Uh, one moment. Uh, you, you, your face covering, you won't need it in here. Uh, thank, thank you, sir. I'm, so, I'm sorry. I just protect myself when I'm out and they're burning in the streets. Mm. Uh, give me one moment. He turns around and you see him head back through the waiting area he came from and then through a door. Uh, Lady E, you, you said that you had one of these, correct? Is that what you were saying? Mm, no, my, my grandmother did. My uh, mother's mother. She was French. It was all the rage. Fair enough. So do you want to take the lead on this one or tell us what you want? us to say I, I don't the only dolls I'm familiar with are the ones we made back on that you know the farms or in the homes you know you see a older elderly man come out from behind this waiting room door he's thin a little dusty looking he looks at the younger man who trails behind him he says something in Italian young man looks at the group. This is Antonio. He wants to know what you need. What? what how can he have? Uh, monsieur, um, Lady Elizabeth Fitzroy over here was interested in seeing your factory while we were in town. As she recalls fondly, her grandmother had a Grandma C. doll herself. Oh. He turns to the older man and slowly repeats words in Italian. Antonio doesn't really brighten so much as he just nods and uh, repeats something to the younger man. The younger man turns to you. Uh, unfortunately, and Antonio is working on something for a customer, but I will I will take your uh, interest uh, to Sebastiano, is, uh, who can assist us. Come this way. Oh, and uh, if it's if it's anything, the the boys outside were saying, uh, "Say hi to Antonio." Apparently, there's a group who are, are waiting for fittings or something like that for prosthetics. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, unfortunately, so many. He turns around and walks through this door 
that the both of them came out. And he then walks you through what looks like a clerk's room. So fairly long, probably about 20 or so feet by maybe 10. And uh, you walk back the way you came directionally until you get to a longer hallway. And he winds you back around again. So you're formed almost like this S here. And you uh, meet another man. And he, the young man, extends his arm towards uh, a much more middle-aged man, Sebastiano Romanzi. Thank you very much. Uh, what is your name, sir? My name is Afsin. Nice to meet you. Uh, maybe we'll run into you again. Uh, your, your English is very good. Oh, thank you. He goes away from the group and sits down at a stool nearby and goes back to working on something. So, Sebastiano's a tall, again, thin man, probably late 20s, early 30s. Uh, when he approaches you, he leans fairly heavily on a cane, and there's a lit cigarette dangling uh, absentmindedly from his lips. He has black hair, mostly slicked back, and you can see that he's he's weary. It's the best way to put it. So he has black hair, and he's on mm -hmm. a cane. How old is this gentleman, would I say? Late 20s, early 30s. So possibly warm. Good afternoon, uh, Mr. Sebastiano. Hmm, yes. I um, see your vimp. Uh, were you in the war, sir? I was. Same. Same as Mr. Fraser over there. He acknowledges you. Um, well, we are currently the party for Lady Elizabeth Fitzroy right here from England. And while we were in town, we were hoping that we could get a tour of the factory because she has fond memories of her grandmother having a Gramercy doll from, was that 50 or 60 years ago? Oh, well, it would have had to be some time ago as, uh, we have not, um, not made dolls in some time. So it seems like you've been engaging in much more noble work now. Oh. Uh, we do what the city requires. How, so, how do you make a prosthetic? Like, for example, if someone needed a leg, do oh. you have a model that you utilize, or...? Certainly. We take measurements. There's a... Mm -hmm. He turns just slightly. Now, this is the uh, the finishing room, of course, but uh, we would do most of the work in the shaping room over there. We would take the measurements and make adjustments and that sort of thing. He uh, moves a, l a little bit to the right, so kind of gets out of the way and puts himself close, a little bit closer to Lady Elizabeth and, and Mr. Fraser. You, you model it after the... Um the gentleman that requires the limb, or do you have a, a template or anything of that sort? We, we we do have some some templates. There are some some in need who need very specific uh, joints and specific heights. Um, not everyone is made the same. That is something that uh, my uh, father and I have learned uh, over time. Of course, yeah, of course. Um, I must say it's a, a great thing you're doing for these uh, these poor lads. It is something that must be done. Indeed, yes. To help them rebuild their, their confidence uh, and uh, bring them back into the world, so so to speak. I would be fascinated to see the the process 
I'm sure that this is not the only place that needs such a service. I would think not. No? Yes, and, and considering that two of my companions were in the, the war as well, perhaps this is something that Lady Elizabeth could invest in in the future. It, it would be fascinating to, to see the, the process and see around the place. Certainly. I'm uh, happy to show you the shaping room. He walks with some difficulty uh, towards the shaping room, and so he truly sets the pace. Why don't you all give me some spot hidden rolls as we enter the shaping room? How attractive is he? How attractive is Sebastiano? Yeah. Let's see here. Can you try to make Richard jealous by flirting with him? I failed my spot hidden, by the way. Okay. Uh, 17 under 45. Mm-hmm. Continue. Richard also failed. Good. 97 over 41. Well, that's a fumble. Go on, Mr. Fraser. I'm too busy worrying about trying to get revenge and make Richard jealous. I see nothing but green in my eyes. So I got a heart. So I've failed my, my spot. But I'm willing to push it. Would you? How would you like to push it, sir? I think he'll maybe divert slightly from, from the group and uh, uh, maybe kind of lift up the odd uh, piece of cloth, if there's a piece of cloth on the table, and um, possibly have a have a look um, under and round and behind the, the workshops. Are, are there people in, in working uh, around as well? There are, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I'm kind of go, go up to maybe one, one or two of them and uh, kind of look over their shoulder to see what they're working on. Kind of thing. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. And that's a fifteen. Okay. Which is uh, uh, which is good. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's an extreme success. I think fifteen. So fifteen under eighty. Definitely. Then. Yep. Exactly on the dot. We'll put a pin in your extreme because I want to get to something else, and that is a fumble. And so, uh, Maggie, while you're trying to. Um, work to maybe show your interest in Sebastiano, uh, which is well well earned because uh, with an appearance of 80, Sebastiano oh, uh, yeah. minus, the, minus the limp is, um, well, he's quite the man, let's just put it that way. And uh, he doesn't smell weird like the other nice looking man that you met at the gelato shop. Um, he smells like mahogany and dark liqueurs. And you become suddenly very, very fascinated. So much so that you do not notice when he stops because you are, well, let's say eyes down looking at something very specific and um, you trip. Uh, And when you do, you fall forward and you grab the only thing possibly that you can get your hands on. And that would be the posterior of Bastiano Grimanci. And it is hard as a rock. But in doing so, you grab onto his posterior and the left half is very hard. The right half is sort of fleshy, very fleshy. And you fall and kind of collapse onto the ground and are thus left staring up at him as he rather quizzically looks down at you, um, seemingly just completely broken by the social nature of things. I'm so sorry. I, I tripped. Yeah. He reaches down. He presses very hard on the cane and reaches down. I'm so sorry. And helps pick you back up. 
Thank you. Very close. And while all this is going on, Mr. Fraser, you notice something very specific. Very specific. And that is, Sebastiano's leg is something of a marvel. It's a prosthetic. It's a very advanced prosthetic. I'll assist in uh, lifting uh, Miss Ballinger up, up to her feet again. And uh, once she's uh, kind of settled again, um, I'll, uh, I'll remark to uh, this fellow, Sebastiano. Couldn't uh, couldn't help but notice uh, your... Uh, it's a, a very fine piece of uh, worksmanship. Oh, well, thank you. It would be even finer had the, uh, well, had the rounds at Montegrappa not found my leg, eh? Well, yes, this is this is certainly true, but whoever uh, fashioned this has done a marvellous job. Is, is this one, is this your own work? No, this was done by my father. He pulls up his pant leg just slightly in a tasteful amount. And you see an articulate ankle made of wood, and it's fairly advanced. Goodness me, this is, I've never seen anything. This is, this is an extraordinary piece of work. Uh, are, are, are all the, uh, the pieces that uh, your father makes us uh, such, such fine quality? This, this, looks, oh, this, this looks much more complex and, and, uh, uh, than many of the... Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid to say I've, I've had occasion to uh, meet with quite a number of, uh, of men who have uh, suffered this, this kind of injury, but uh, I've never seen something uh, quite as extraordinary as this before. He uh, very carefully moves Miss Bellinger to the right-hand side, away from his prosthetic side. Uh, he does not necessarily push distance between the two of them, though. For the social portion of the 20s, this is way too close of a bubble to be in. He doesn't stop answering your question, Mr. Fraser, but he doesn't let go of Miss Bellinger, at least for that extra heartbeat, and then finally allows her to make sure she's on sure footing. My father, Antonio, is a master craftsman. He spent many, many weeks working on this and has made adjustments and improvements over time. Unfortunately, he doesn't always have the time to work for everyone to this extent, but I am hoping to learn as much as I can from him. And when he is finished with his work here someday, I uh, I hope to follow in his steps and continue to make prosthetics like this. Well, uh, you certainly have a, a very skilled mentor to uh, whose footsteps to, to follow. Uh, I wonder, uh, do you have a, a business card or anything of the like? I'm, uh, I have uh, a number of old comrades uh, who, if if if, if it is um, agreeable to you, would be more than interested in uh, in having a, such a, a fine fine piece of uh, well engineering, I suppose, for want of a better word. Oh, certainly, sir. I will. Uh, I will make certain that you have something you can pass on to them. Uh, while we cannot see everyone. Uh, we will see as many as we can. Of course, I understand. I understand, and and uh, well, it must uh, it must have been heartbreaking for for your father to uh, to have to deal with this particular injury on on his own son. But uh, I have to say, he's 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 done you proud. Sir. Well, sadly, I I am a second son. We lost my brother Marco in the Battle of Montegrampa too. 
where I lost his leg. And uh, after I went back to continue fighting, I I dealt with the gases that were used. Oh, dear me. Yes, yes, indeed. But he seems to get real resolute. But the Austrians never took Venice. Did you know someone named Marco? Oh, my brother's name was Marco. Oh. God rest his soul. He makes the sign of the cross. Yes. A lot of very brave young men were were lost, and uh, you have my deepest sympathy. Why do you ask? Just curiosity. Please. We have time. Indulge me. I've I've heard... I've... I've heard the name b- before. I can't, I'm not sure where it, it struck me from, but I, I had heard of someone named Marco a dying in Monte Grappa as well. Oh. But uh, my memory is, is not always the best, especially when I, Italian, I don't speak it. French a little. Hmm. We should all speak a little French, yes? Uh-huh. So, he turns back to the shaping room, and you see station after station here in the shaping room of woodworkers working their craft to prepare these prosthetic pieces that they're crafting. Each one, it isn't an assembly line. It is, each one is being handcrafted. This is like someone creating a... a something that they love, right? Uh, you can tell from the, the men and women who work in here that there's something very dear to them about what they're creating. If we're still with um, Sebastiano, I'm, I'm going to ask him, uh, is, uh, is your father working on anything in particular at the moment? Oh, uh, he is with, uh, with someone, but I'm certain if we needed to see him, we could. I would be uh, very honoured to be allowed to uh, watch him at work, to see a, a master craftsman ply his trade. Certainly. Let's go to his office. Thank you. Thank you. So you turn around from where you're at at the shaping room and you walk back towards the front of the building. And you walk towards the finishing room to the left-hand side of it where there's a door. And you see there's a nice wood-carved placard for Antonio Germancy. Sebastiano lightly raps on the door and you hear a voice from inside, a, a quiet voice. He opens the door and you see a gentleman propped up on a bed and you see Antonio working on what looks like a lower leg piece. And you see that he's fitting the piece in uh, to this remaining appendage, this stump that's been left. There's careful padding work that's going into it. You see that he's adjusting it and making sure that there's proper fit to it. You see there are straps and buckles and all sorts of things. And at the end of it, there is this very similar, but not as embellished ball at the bottom of the ankle, where normally there would just be a hinge and someone might be able to scoot along on something like this. But this is a an ankle piece that can move left and right and back and forward. It's much different than what you'd seen back in London for some of the uh, veterans that had been damaged oh so terribly in the Great War. Whatever Antonio is doing here is 
as close to the words cutting edge as you can imagine. Would Richard know if this is cutting edge or perhaps a little bit further, maybe unnatural even? Well, you could make a sciences roll of some sort if you'd like. Yeah, let's go for physics. That's probably the closest one. No, I should have burned those dice after last time. Uh, 74 over 40. Okay. Um, eh, you don't think it's necessarily cutting edge, more as it's, um, he's just, he's taking advantage of, um, of mathematics. He's, he's clearly a learned man and, uh, someone's finally, uh, doing it right. It's not, not being done by a bunch of, uh, carriage creators, right? It's being done by a craftsman. So that, that's probably what it is. Basically a kind of ball and socket joint that he's, he's making, yeah. Um, so I think, uh, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, um, turn to Simon and say have you ever seen any worksmanship uh, like this over in uh, in the United States it certainly uh, surpasses uh, anything that I've seen back in England not that I'm familiar with I'm looking at it and I mean it, it makes a kind of sense once you see it but no I haven't seen anything like this on any of the miners who've lost limbs or any of the old soldiers I know if, I'm, if I may ask, uh, Sebastiano, yes, uh, is, is this a, a design of your father's own invention? Oh, uh, well, it is a, a design of my grandfather's, Marco. Ah, I see. So my, my older brother was named after him. Was named after him, yes. Mm, yes. Yes. Uh, he was, uh, he was he's someone who decided to uh, dedicate his life to the work until... The arthritis took him. Ah, ah, yes. Arthritis. Very very cruel to somebody who's used to working uh, with their hands, indeed. indeed. Mm. Yeah, his was more uh, lower, though. Uh, he kind of taps his rather noticeably uh, prosthetic left leg, and uh, he, he had it there. It seems like most of the Grimansi uh, men have it, uh, have it in for the, their legs. Mm. Yes, indeed. Yes, that, that is a shame. That is a shame. So, is is it just um, the uh, you, you were saying that uh, your father no longer makes the uh, the dolls, uh, mannequins, and the, and the like? Is it only the prosthetic limbs that he does now? Uh, yes, I would say most of his work, if not all of his work, is kept up in prosthetics. The uh, veterans of Venice uh, require such attention. Could I make a psychology roll? Certainly. To see if he's hiding anything from me or if he's being deliberately evasive when I've asked him that question. Because, you know, I was I had a particular goal in mind with that question. Go ahead. Okay, so... Psychology 49. Oh, that's a 19, so that is a hard success. Very good. Uh, Sebastiano is being, as far as you can tell, completely truthful. He seems like a fairly stand-up gentleman. He doesn't seem to have been evasive at all. Okay. He might be a bit of a cad sometimes um, with his um, movements towards Miss Bellinger, but uh, given given the beauty of Miss Bellinger, one can hardly uh, <clears throat> argue that he didn't grab hold of her arse. <laughs> That's true. He was very ingra- He was very gracious. So you know, I'll, I'll, um, I'll thank him for um, the information. Then. Oh, of course. Uh, Antonio finishes with his client and begins to kind of help walk the gentleman back out towards the front. So the group parts a little bit to allow that. Um, 
Now, Sebastiano, you've, in your work, line of work, you've seen many legs, correct? Oh, yes. So you probably have a good eye for them? Indeed. Oh, I'd, I'd love to get your opinion on mine sometime. He takes the cigarette out of his mouth just momentarily. Are you in need of a, a prosthetic or um, something else? No, but perhaps I could model for you. You probably don't have many women clients, but if you need uh, a leg model, I I would be happy to offer mine to you. Certainly. I would... Uh, I have no doubt the uh, most of the men in Venice would appreciate such a thing. Now, uh, he looks around the, the five of you. I apologize for being so rude, milady. Um, he stubs out the cigarette. Um, you said your grandmother had... Or someone said that your grandmother had a doll of, of our make? Yes, uh, it was one of the few she had still left from her childhood. I believe my mother has it now. Good. Each one made with care. Each one. There aren't very many being made anymore, so it should be something to be treasured for sure. Is that why you came? To see the factory, yes? I heard once we arrived in Venice that this is where they were made and my grandmother recently passed only a couple of mm. years ago bit of a nostalgia trip one might say of course my condolences other than the finishing room and the shaping room other than that there's the warehouse and the courtyard there's not much more really Fraser's gonna look around his companions look from one to the other Tell me, Mr. Uh, Gramancy, is that, is that correct? Is that uh, Gramancy, yes. Gramancy. Have you had occasion to uh, spend any time in uh, the uh, Basilica of Lake? Oh. No, I... Uh, how would you say this? Um, I am uh, non-practicing. And, uh, and your father, is, is, is he a, a religious man? Oh, yes. Yes, very much so. And uh, would he perhaps have been in the, the Basilica recently? Oh, I, I don't believe so, no. We go to a, uh, a smaller church here when we attend. I see, I see. Mr. Gramancy, I, I think uh, you seem an honest man. Uh, you seem a trustworthy and straightforward man. And, well, I think perhaps it's time... To be honest and straightforward with you. Mm. We are not here merely to inquire about uh, the history of, of, your, of your factory and uh, look at uh, the various workings uh, that uh, you perform here. We have uh, to believe that uh, your father has um, assisted uh, an old friend of his with a particular piece of uh, repair work to a statue. Does that ring any bells with you at all? Do you know who that might be? I I tell you this, sir. My, my, my father Antonio has not done any such work. Are you... Uh, uh, how, how would you come to this conclusion? It's a very long story. So a, a very long and rather convoluted story. 
suffice to say that um, we believe that uh, your father retrieved uh, a, uh, an item from the basilica, which uh, he used to assist uh, an old friend in the repair of a, a statue. Uh, this is an old friend who who lost uh, a grandson alongside your brother. That particular piece, that particular part of the statue, holds a great deal of significance and is very important to us. And we would, uh, and we would very much like to speak to the person who your father assisted. If that is at all possible. And uh, if, uh, if if you know, or perhaps you could uh, inquire of your father. Hmm. Uh, and I, I must, I must. Uh, this is a fascinating story. How did you come by any of this information, this knowledge? Again, uh, I realize the tale may be long, but uh, it is important that I... I know this isn't some farce being played on our family. No, no, no. I can, I can, I can assure you that uh, this is no, this is no farce. This is, uh, this is deadly serious. And well, I'm a practical man, uh, Mister Gramancy, and and I believe you are the same uh, yourself. Um, but we are concerned that uh, this, this piece, this, this. Uh, item is in some way at least partly responsible for the troubles that your city is currently experiencing and uh, we would uh, we would wish to well alleviate this in whatever small way we can do you have any um, evidence to back this claim up <sighs> evidence evidence well i'm perhaps not the best person to uh, to explain um but we have seen is, is that what they asked you to do? He turns to you, Miss Ballinger. Did they ask you to come in to explain it to me? Is this why they've sent you in with this? Is this why you've come with them to uh, take me off my uh, my guard and, and make questions easier? Oh, no, that was entirely my doing, but not intentional not to, to take you off your guard. You're very attractive. Oh, thank you. Uh, so that, that, that was just a, really a, a pleasant surprise. Uh, but it 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 was in no way my intention to to take you off guard, though. He does speak the truth. We are looking for this item. And and again, it, you you claim that my father is involved in this. What what proof is there of this? Well, I can. I have a letter uh, that I found under the church in a tunnel. Under. It, well, in a tunnel. It was under the floor. Really? Yes. How strange. Indeed. Would you like to see it? I would love to see it. I will, I will whip it out. He takes the letter and reads it. Does this look like your father or grandfather's handwriting? No, this is certainly my grandfather's handwriting. Yes. I would know it any day of the week. Do you know who this friend that he took the leg for is? This is quite humorous. Was, <laughs> you, you will permit me um, a moment. He genuinely stops for a moment or two and laughs, like to himself. <laughs> you know, the Gromancy men are strange. Um, he would steal from the Basilica. <sighs> I wish he was here to tell you how it happened. But my grandfather Marco has been dead now 
seven years. Oh. He, uh, he died while managing a munitions factory for the war. His um, arthritis, as I said, it took him to the point where he could no longer function day to day, and he did not see the value in life. As many afflicted do, that is part of what the Gromancy family does now. That is why we stopped making dolls. Those who have been stricken by war and by the unfortunate fate, prosthetics give them an opportunity. They give them a chance to feel and live. And they cannot be shut out by society. That's our goal. As for this leg, if this is what was taken, he hands the note back to you. I would be happy to search the company records for something like this. Was there anyone that your fa- your grandfather was close with that who's possibly a family, a close family friend uh, that also died alongside Marco? It's possible. We'd have to search the company records for it. I, knowing his friends would be very difficult for me. We grew up in different eras. I understand. Perhaps there's somebody in in the city here who has some collection of of statues similar to what is described in the note. It's possible. How are you searching records? Do any of you read Italian? I'd be happy to assist you. I do not know Italian. I know Latin, but I doubt that would help. (laughs) No, not likely. I tell you what, though. I fancy myself a quick learner if you would me some key phrases to possibly look for. Mm, Yes. We can go over some basics. But, um, I must tell you, I would... It could be a very long night. Well, that's fine. I'm sure it's a a wonderful tongue to learn. Mm. And I'm eager. Willing. That's important. So, he gingerly steps around you, Miss Ballinger. He gives you, um... (laughs) Not so much a wide berth, but he uh, makes sure to account for where you're at in the room. Mm-hmm. I'm prepared oh. for this to take all night. In a very playful way. <laughs> the records room is just over here. I think maybe only a few of us will fit in in the space, but uh, perhaps uh, perhaps some of you would be willing to uh, come back later? He smiles. How about I stand guard somewhere and I can run out for coffee for y'all? Ah, coffee. Yes, we may need quite a bit of that. I believe there is a uh, cafe uh, just uh, along the street, perhaps. Uh, Mm. That might be somewhere we we, we would be able to uh, have something to eat, perhaps. An excellent plan. Miss Billinger, join me in the records room. Of course. I I was rather thinking perhaps... um, if we are to avail this man of his time, we should, um, well, the least we could do is um, perhaps treat him to lunch as well. And then we could, um, yes, yes, I think that would be appropriate. Uh, he looks at you a little bit um, eager when you mention lunch. It's a fantastic idea. Perhaps the cafe, you all could go there and bring back some lunch and some coffee as well. Um, yes, I'm sure I'll be famished by the time you get back, Richard. No doubt. Now... Now you go along, and uh, we'll be back just as uh, as soon as you can, of course. Take your time, no rush. Um, uh, just uh, one, uh, a small question from me. Hmm. I, um, 
I've had cause to work with wood in the in the past. How have you managed to finish this um, so that you don't get splinters and that kind of thing? I mean, uh, with it being in sort of constant contact and with the rubbing, I mean, it, it you must find yourself, I don't know, um, covered in them. Oh, no, not at all. Not at all. There is a... Are you familiar with knights of um, the 13th and 14th century at all? Uh, no, not personally. So under the mail, the, the, the chain, hmm, they would wear an arming cap some sort of cover it for the piece so that way it makes a, a friction a, a little less uh, and clearly as um, as it is uh, in a particular place friction would be a bad, would be a very bad thing and so um, we've taken very important strides forward in making sure that everything works exactly as it's supposed to I, I could imagine one um, one might get a terrible infection there if uh that was left unaddressed, of course. Luckily, there's nothing to worry about. Are you sure we can't offer you a nice lunch? Um, I mean, a three-course meal or something? We could hardly um, bring something back and expect it to be uh, of the same quality as if it was served at a table. Mm, I don't think the cafe does that many courses, but uh, I think a, a panini or something like that. So a sandwich would be fine. Something to keep me from um, getting too hungry. I see. We shall see you all in, say, an hour? If you're certain you don't need any extra assistance. He raises an eyebrow at you, Lady Elizabeth. Oh, I'm looking at him with a very slight sarcastic smile. We might. There is enough room for the three of us. Hmm. You know, I don't think I have quite the right knowledge in this particular area. Looking at Maggie. She's very good with books. Um, She, she may uh, help speed up your endeavor. Oh, well, that sounds wonderful to me. You have a... I, I know you're um, in some degree of pain in this uh, this journey to uh, uh, this um, factory, this manufacturing facility was uh, was strenuous for you, um, uh, Lady Elizabeth. So perhaps, um, yes, if you were to, to lend a hand, then uh, yes, it would be uh, less strenuous for you than working to a cafe. Maybe even two hands. Ah, now, right this way. <laughs> ducks around the outside of the Antonio's office and heads towards a what looks like a overgrown closet. He's out on his heels. Not too hot. We don't need wood burning going on. <laughs> the, the records room itself is just about as deep again as Antonio's office. The rest of you head back out and go to the cafe for, for a spot of lunch and some coffee. And um, yeah, it's floor to ceiling filing essentially he gives you with some direct and careful care he walks you through maggie some very basic italian words to look for he is devilishly charming in doing so although not too forward mm-hmm. and um he begins searching and so if the two of you would like to make a library use role since you do not speak italian but are with an italian speaker mm-hmm. i will negate your penalty die okay. uh, for the first roll. Each okay. roll takes about half an hour. That's a pass. Eight. 65 under 80. This is a fail for Maggie. So in searching the, uh, the, the records room, you come upon a ledger, Lady Elizabeth. And the, the modern ledgers are here are pretty easy to read overall. 
And with Sebastiano's help, he helps you leave through a couple of them that seem to be interesting. The records have a fairly detailed ledger of the dates and times and things that have happened. And the one you open has a little bit of historical connotation to it. Really, it's the it's the names that get you. There's one that has a yellowed kind of telegram announcing you see the name written out, Marco Gramancy, and that's what sticks you to it. That there's something here with his name on it. You learn a couple of things about Sebastiano. One, that his father's generosity towards war veterans is bankrupting the company. He will not soon be able to even trade on the Gramancy name because his father is so giving to the people who are in need. The move to a fascist Italy has only ramped that up because wood and everything else is becoming more expensive. There's a lot of breaks in the records as well. So there's not a ton of accuracy. But the records you find... And so while you're reading through this record and kind of going over and trying to work through all of the Italian pieces, you become very focused in on it because you feel like you suddenly got something. And so you want to work through each sentence and word with the little bits of uh, uh, Italian you've run along the way. While this is happening, Maggie, Sebastiano is flirting with you insatiably. He's enjoying his time in the records room with you. He even goes so far as to kind of ask for a preview of, of the legs because he'd like to draw. He'd like to make some sketches. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I start to slowly lift my skirt up to you know, mid-calf <laughs> to knee, knee height. Fantastic. No, Maggie's, Maggie's a flapper. She's worn much shorter. So. Certainly, certainly. He does take a fairly accurate drawing of your leg up to the knee and you can tell by his reaction that um, he's quite pleased with the with God's work, as it were. Good. Miss Bellinger. Yes? I think I found something. Oh. You turn around and her skirt's being pulled back down to normal level. I see you have a newfound career as a knee model. I wish you well of it. I hadn't considered that. What did you find? My apologies that my my Italian isn't good. Not, neither is mine, but I think I figured a few things out. Oh. So I found this ledger, mm-hmm. and I'm go- actually going to show it to her while I talk about it. So he mentions 15th of January. He mentions arthritis in his leg, that he'd never felt it before, his left leg. And his description here sounds rather like yours, Miss Bellinger. With the arm. Oh. Interesting. He also mentions a friend or someone who's died and something about, I hope I did the right thing, which is a little interesting. He died on the 9th of April, which is shortly after, less than a month actually, after the senor, the other senor died. We also have a storm before that, some lightning... It's all very strange. Lightning Mm. in a clock tower. And it's very interesting. Strange weather. Indeed. Sebastiano becomes interested. He puts the drawing tablet away. You see that there's a fairly well made out drawing of Miss Bellinger's 
leg, and it seems he's he seems he's making some assumptions about her thigh, and then before he finishes, he shuts the book. So what uh, what did you find? I'm going to show him the ledger as well, since I'm talking to Maggie about it. Oh. So seems very strange. Hard to make head, heads or tails of it. Friends in the clock tower. Hmm. Do you know which clock tower they, he may be speaking of? No, but my, my, my father Antonio might know. Palazzo. I, I can't quite pronounce this name. But it's the same name as the friend who died later. Hmm. Can't be a coincidence. Yes, perhaps your father would know more. Perhaps we should ask him. Yes. Cut very quickly to the cafe. The cafe is filled with a bunch of students from uni who are essentially, in effect, mostly communists. Uh, it creates a very lively atmosphere inside of this fascist Italy. And while no one likes extremes, the college students essentially do have zero cares in the world other than bitching about Mussolini and drinking. That's the atmosphere. And music. Lots of raucous music. See if we can get a, a table, in a, a corner, fairly unobtrusive. Um, mm-hmm. Order some food. Um, yeah. Professor Courtney, would you uh, be so kind as to take this uh, back to the uh, factory for the two ladies and uh, Mr. Grimansi? Um, yes, I think that would be entirely appropriate. I mean, it wouldn't do to... Uh, to get cold, would it? Thank you. Much appreciated. Uh, Simon and I will uh, await your return. Uh, yes, yes. So, what are um, Simon and Mr. Fraser going to get up to here in this cafe? <laughs> it's a little early in the day, but would you care for a, a, a wee nip? <laughs> mm, I don't drink. Ah, well, you don't mind if I do. But uh, I, I can... I can have coffee. I wouldn't mind some more coffee. Um, past couple of days have been a bit stressful, so I need to be awake. Let's have uh, a uh, espresso. Yes, and you can you can doctor yours as you see fit. A wee, a wee dash or something, perhaps. Hopefully, this Mister Grimansi can help us. And Grimansi, I believe this is the pronunciation. Grimansi. Okay. Um, Hopefully he can help us, and hopefully uh, Lady E can come between him and Miss Maggie. Sparks were fine, and I'm not sure if the professor was aware. Well, I'm not sure about the professor at all. I, I don't know what his intentions are towards Miss uh, Miss Ballinger. I don't think he knows what intentions are. It's uh, none of my concern. <laughs> between themselves, but... Uh, as long as it doesn't interfere in what we're trying to do. I'm, I'm sure it won't. I'm sure it won't. So I'll, I'll pop up to the um, uh, mm. the counter. The counter. Uh, excuse me. Uh, uh, duo espresso, uh, por favor. Mm. Yeah. Gentleman behind the counter nods and starts making espressos. I think I got that right. <clears throat> Let's see what else they've got as well and maybe have a little... Um, uh, cold sliced meat or, uh, oh yeah bread or something like that mm. yeah there's some nice hams here mm. Mm. just kind of point, point out and yeah in a, in a in halt, halting mixture of mostly English with, <laughs> a, with, with the odd basic word of Italian um, thrown in um, try and uh, get across what he wants and bring a platter back over to, uh, to the table 
Okay. Yeah, you guys get served uh, some cold cuts and uh, espresso. <laughs> nice combination for you. I don't drink coffee. I don't. <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping we have some uh, bread and uh, cheese too, but yeah. Yeah, certainly. Certainly. Um, you get eyed a little by some of the um, less than, say, fortunate uh, university students who are here who are probably a bit down their luck and, and um, you know, eager to try to uh, collect perhaps some charity their way. Um, well, I wouldn't do any, any harm if we, if we see one, one or two of them that look respectable and, uh, and possibly a little threadbare. And say, oh, would you, would you get to join us? Yeah, it doesn't take much. But uh, you don't get mobbed either. Actually, the young lad who you are a little bit gracious with, uh, he collects just a, really a few pieces and uh, he, he eats a little bit with you at the table. And then when he takes it back, he seems to share it out to a couple of his friends. Poor impoverished students, eh, Simon? That and uh, they seem to be in disfavor with the... Uh current uh, people in power. Well, yes, I don't believe uh, that particular uh, uh, group of of, of, uh, Mussolini's men uh, are particularly uh, interested in uh, the education of the the young. I think they see it as something of a a luxury. A hindrance. Well, uh, in- indeed, yes, yes. For uh, education breeds uh, rational and intelligent thought, does it not? And uh, can't be having that, can we? Wouldn't know. Well, we finished high school. So, Richard, you're headed back with your order to uh, to the factory. Okay. Yep. So he's, uh, yeah, uh, go- going at some pace. He wants to make sure these uh, these sandwiches don't get cold. Good man. And so you get back after probably about 30 minutes between the ordering, the walk, the cooking, etc. And uh, as you head back in the records room uh, with sack of sandwiches in hand and, uh, and coffees, uh, you see that the, the group of the three of them are actually fairly physically close. And they seem to be reading over something that Lady Elizabeth has in her hand. And uh, Sebastian looks up and says... Oh, my good man, you brought food. Uh, yes. Did, did you find something? Oh, I believe uh, your uh, Lady Elizabeth is astute enough, and uh, she's found something. Please, c- come in, come in. Ah, I, I, I did say she was rather good. Indeed, very perceptive. He moves uh, kind of a, towards you, Richard, but he dips around you, uh, Maggie, so he kind of takes himself out of the center and makes room for Richard to get towards the the two of you. There um, may or may not be a sleight of hand roll involved in what happens next, but it all happens off camera. Except to you, Miss Bellinger. You feel something. Mm-hmm. He takes the coffee from you, Richard. Ah, uh, geez. Okay, um, I'm Right. Quite sure what uh I'm certain this would be fine. Yes. He and shoves I, his hand in the bag and gets a sandwich and then sits down on a chair and kind of eases the 
into the into position. He leans very heavily for a moment on his cane. And uh, he kind of sits there a bit like a cat who's caught a bird for a moment. He's not looking at you, though, Richard. You can tell that pretty quickly. Uh, Maggie, I've, uh, I, I have a choice of ham, ham and cheese or, or ham, some sort of pastrami, I believe it's called here. Maggie's uh, not even like looking at Richard and she just says, uh, yeah, I'll, um, yes, just uh, whichever one, Richard. Uh, okay. Um, kind of wave her hand out. Just put the sandwich in my hand. This, this hair looks rather nice. Oh, thank you. And, uh, uh Lady Elizabeth? I'm uh, I'm assured by Mr. Fraser that um, uh, a plain cheese with uh, a little rocket on it was uh, appropriate. I, I do so hope he's got it correct. Yes, that's quite fine. Thank you, Professor. And <laughs> Lady is looking at you with just just this expression of, of slight sympathy. Just you poor thing, poor idiot thing. You have no idea where this comes from. It, it seems we may have to speak with my father. They've uh, they found something that points to perhaps some someone he may know. A uh, Eritzinyani, I believe, is how it's spelled there. It's quite the um, it's quite the name. Lady is looking from the professor to Maggie to the professor, shaking her head slightly in the background. Um, so, uh, when is your father available, uh, Sebastiano? Oh, um, I would imagine in an hour or so he would take lunch and perhaps we can, um, speak with him then. I see. Um, yes, yes, an hour. Um, we were keen to, uh, get moving, really. It's rather grim outside. We can't rush things, Richard. Oh, not at all. He's doing careful work. With the prosthetics and wounded from the war. And legs. And legs. Always legs. I've been told I also have a fantastic arm and torso. Perhaps I could show them to you sometime. My. Sebastiano stands up. Why don't we start with my father? And we'll go from there. He uses, you know, the cane to kind of steady himself and then they... Uh, he walks from the room. I'm going to follow him out, but I'm just going to shake my head at the professor and just make a little tss, tss noise at him. A little tisking noise. Richard just sort of ignores it. It's not far. In the shaving room, you can see Antonio is working with another one of the craftsmen in there. And Sebastiano and, and uh, Antonio have a, a very rapid fire uh, conversation in Italian. And you can see that his father kind of at first just shoes him away and then Sebastiano presses him a little bit more and his father stops and turns to him and then looks beyond him at you Lady Elizabeth and says something in Italian and then starts kind of walking towards you Sebastiano tries to keep up he eventually gets in pace with his father and says uh my father has a few moments, so um, if you if you want his assistance, it will need to be immediate. So the five or so of you gather back together while while he has a moment. He looks at the the, the ledger piece that you pulled out, 
and Antonio kind of shakes his head and says something to his his son. And Sebastiano says, um, this palazzo, uh, this uh, place they mention here, this person, Signor Rizzignani, it is not a pleasant place. Is it here in Venice? Hmm, yes. What makes it unpleasant, exactly? It is in disrepair. It is likely, uh, what they speak of here is likely a clock tower. You see here, he points out the words. What they are mm. talking about is uh, automations. Automatons. Aha. Uh-huh. Doing what exactly? Well, many decades ago, the family created some rather large automations. And we made them very detailed. And we set them in a clock tower. You see, the Gramancy family was once... He looks around a little bit, like he's looking for ears. And it gets really close to the two of you, Miss Ballinger and Lady Elizabeth. He says, we, we were once aristocrats. And he smiles. And we were aristocrats because we made so much money at this. We could buy anything we wanted. And that was because the city, there's a very powerful people in it, commissioned us to make a fantastic clock tower with a fantastic automaton set. This Signor Rizzignani is likely one of these automations that they speak of. They were made for the Palazzo Rizzignani on the Grand Canal. So it seems that whatever letter Marco was writing, it points to this square with this tower. Could you show us on the map where we can find it? Do you have a map? I did say a few episodes ago that I got a map. Certainly. (laughs) I assume I have it. Take out, you unfold the map and he turns to you, Miss Bellinger, and said, says, would you hold this? Oh, of course. He takes out from a pen from his shirt and very carefully writes and draws a circle on the map. Nice and slow. Heck yeah. <laughs> now, I cannot tell you the last time any of this was looked at. Campo Rizzignani, it is a district taken over mostly by the unfortunate. So I would ask that Milady tread carefully there. Who knows, might be willing to take advantage of your station. I appreciate the caution. We will not be going alone. Oh, no, of course not. You have two war veterans with you. I may have but one leg, but I have two eyes. Of course, you'd be welcome to join us as well in, in case we needed any um, assistance with Italian or... I would, but unfortunately, the walk there would likely be the end of me. Mm. I would have to take some sort of boat or carriage there. And I do my best work here. 
Richard grins to himself. <laughs> but please, if this, your man, what was his name? The tall man. Um, Fraser? Mr. Fraser or Mr. Griffith? Well, the English one. Mr. Fraser. Hmm. He sounded very serious. He sounded very, very serious. So I, I do not know what this thing that you seek is, but it, it seemed like it mattered. It does. Hmm. Very much. The paper said this morning there were some very ghastly things going on. I fear Venice is turning in a not friendly way. We are hoping in our little quest that we can stop it or at least parts of it there's not much we can do with the shirts of a certain color but the other things perhaps hmm. it's the fascists there are no friends of fascists here I am pleased to hear that. And there's a genuine smile. I wish you luck. And um, thank you for a very entertaining afternoon. And perhaps if you resolve this leg situation, Miss Belanger, you will return? Hmm? He um, of course. moves your name into the French category as many are wont to do. That's fine. I will not correct him. Wonderful. Then may I walk you out? Of course. He, again, smartly adjusts the cane for a moment and offers you his elbow. Take it. In sort of a strange and different way, uh, the two of you walk out together through the line of veterans who are all playing cards and smoking and cajoling. They whistle and make hooting sounds as he walks through the uh, front <laughs> lobby and tells them to hush and be good they refuse and continue I look at the professor expectantly you can tell that Richard's thinking about something and uh, what he's thinking is that you should be very careful to only go to places, stay at hotels explore things with lots and lots of stairs <laughs> well and on that note we'll call this session to a close it has been entertaining, an entertaining stop at the Doll Factory. I hope you've truly enjoyed it. And it seems that there's a clock tower in our future. So thank you for joining us again on another episode of Horror on the Orient Express brought to you by the cast of the Old Ways podcast. We will see you next week. <laughs>